Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday. We're running a little late in the week. Uh, I want to do the Tefillah podcast. <clears throat> I was thinking about what to do. And then I realized today, Erev uh, Shabbos, as many know, is the famous fast day, the tragedy, of the which is associated in Jewish memory. I don't know about how accurate it is. Um, with the burning of the Gemara in Paris, with the Shas and all the rest of it. And if you ask me what this has to do with the field, first of all, I assume that most of you know what I'm talking about. There's a payment, it used to be a thing that you fast and you make a whole tinus. And I'm sure they had um, slichos. I don't have that. There's a guy who was like a reform rabbi named Burnfield in Europe, a Galtzianer actually, uh, Shimon Burnfield. He wrote a three volume book called Sefer HaDemoos. Book of Tears, and he did a very good job. He collected all this tragic stuff, and all the prayers and associated with. It. He's got the piyutim that are obscure and so forth. He, I must say, he did a good job. I'm looking for. I used to have the Baltimore, the uh, Hebrew College had it every year, but it's gone. So I used to just take it at will, um, borrow it of me when I needed it. But uh, I don't have any more. I asked Bernie Leetag, my good friend Israel is, is locating it now in Israel somewhere. I hope uh, so. I can have it in the future. Um, but anyway, so that gave me an idea what to talk about. As always, this is being sponsored by Mishpachas Stefanski, which we thanked him. And, uh, I'll tell you what came to mind. First of all, if you're living on the moon, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Just look in the Shulchan Aruch and Tuf Kuf Pei, especially the Shari Tzu over there. And it'll say, and he, there's a famous quote from the Shabuli Aleket, who lived in Rome, uh, in the 1400s, was it, I think? And he said, We're writing about the Sreifas HaTorah. He lived a little bit later, maybe in the late 1200s, I forget. But that's what he said recently. According to him, it happened in 1244. Others say it happened in 1242. Like, who cares? Today, my friends, who are listening to this, today on Friday of Parshas Chukas, twenty-four wagon loads full of manuscripts. Now, you remember, this is before the printing press, so this was a fatal blow. It's the end of the period of the Tosafists, because once you get rid of the books, everybody's out of a job. Ain't too many Vilna Gons running around. You know, we've got to memorize. So uh, they burned all these things, Talmud, Halachas, Haggadahs, and all the rest of it, any Jewish writings. Kasha, Shamana, Lemishma, Eisen, as we've heard. We in Rome have heard of this. But Even though it didn't happen in Rome, it happened in Paris. And we heard, again, you're getting like a uh, first-hand account, second-hand account. We heard from Abunim over there, that they made a isn't that amazing? They made a she'elas chalom. They asked in Shemayim, 
In other words, why would God make it that all the Gemaras are burned? Now they can't learn anymore. In Sabari. So this is the same language you have in the famous Piyut that I talked about the other day of the Asaru Gamachas, that they made a Shalosh Mayim is it Zerav Eshivu And what the answer they got from heaven is Dog Zerus In other words, that's the word they got, Dog Zerus This is the Zerav of the Torah, the Kriyan of the Torah. Upirusho. And what they and they interpreted to mean beyond vob zera. So in other words, how do you translate in in unculus zos chukas hatorah dog zera raisa? Now literally that means this is the law of the Torah. However, because of the way the Aramaic is and the suppleness of the Hebrew and the Aramaic language, dog zera raisa could mean this is the gzera, the decree of persecution or destruction, because we use the word gzera that way also. You understand? Gezerah could simply mean just a law. I'm talking about Aramaic. It could just be just a law. Alternatively, it could be Gezerah, like we often use it colloquially. It's a persecution, a destruction. So, Zos Chukas HaTorah could mean this is the end of the Torah. So, in other words, that became the source of the tradition that there is such an Indian you commemorate today. Not by the calendar date, but by the, it's unusual what I'm talking about. But by the the the, the fact that it's the Friday of Parshas Chukas, whatever calendar date that comes out to, this day in Tammuz, that day in Tammuz. So in other words, one does not have to be an historian and go back and find out, you know, and go online with the Hebrew English calendar and all that business, and find out what precisely was the Hebrew calendar date, what day in Tammuz or whatever it was, back in Paris in the 1240s when they did this. For Jewish memory purposes, for the Jewish tradition purposes, the day is the Friday of Pasha Chukas, the Hainu Hayom. Okay? Now, with that in mind, uh, and there's more, you look at the Shari Chuba Rabbi Fran, Yaakov Fran, wrote to me because he says, the, the Mogan Avram says that it's also a day that two Kehillas were destroyed. And we we're looking at that, it turns out he's talking about from Tachvatat. You understand? You know, the, the Shach says it from Tachvatat. Tulchin and another town were also destroyed, I guess, on on um, today. In other words, Erev, Shabbos, Chukas. So it's not been a great day in Jewish history. That's why there are traditions. You don't swim, you don't do this, you know, there, there are such things. You understand? Now, what does that have to do with a tefillah podcast? I'll tell you where I'm coming from. There is a very famous a piece of our liturgy, a poem, Piet, a kino actually, which was composed on this occasion. But the screwball Jewish calendar is of such a nature that we only recite on Tisha B'Av, and it's Shali's Truth of Eish from the Marm Rottenberg, which is at the end of the Kinas. I strongly suspect that most people, when it comes from Misa to Tisha B'Av, are Kinos out by the time you get to the end to Shali's Truth of Eish. And I imagine people just mumble it through or read the art scroll or something like that and don't understand exactly what it is. So, in other words, really, 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 we should be reading it today. But the Jewish tradition is such that they figure, you know, don't add extra things and, you know, pile it all onto Tisha B'Av the same way they do the Crusades and other things in our liturgy because, as everybody knows, the Crusades didn't happen on Tisha B'Av. But even in the Kinos, it says, you know, that you're not adding new days and instead you're you're putting everything in, onto Tisha B'Av. That's the reason in more recent times you have the custom which is going now to say something about 
the Shoah, the Holocaust, even though it didn't happen on Tisha B'Av, the same idea. That's why Rabbi Schwab wrote a thing, and this Rebbe wrote a thing, and that Rebbe wrote a thing. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Baba Rebbe, whatever they have in the art school, Kinos and so forth. Weissmantel. So, um, the point, though, is that really, 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 you know, it should be today. In other words, what are you going to do about the show up? It went for four or five years every day. So it's not like one day you associated with Hitler killed everybody. So you might as well do Tishabov because there's no one day you can assign it to. Same thing with a lot of these other different Gazeras. You understand? What, are you, what day are you going to pick? Nasha Enkain, the burning of the Talmud, which is a whole story. And I believe I did it years ago. I don't know if it's up on my podcast, but it is on my videos. A uh, number of years ago, I did a series in the summer called The War Against the Jewish Book, in which I went into this whole thing in detail. This is the story of Nicholas Donin and the, and Paris and the Catholic Church and so forth and so on. It's too long of a story to go into now. Uh, just only to say that the burning of the Gomorrahs put the, put the Tosas out of business. Let's put it that way. I hate to say it, but, you know, if you take away our books... You take away the internet, you know. Notice if you have no access to text, what do you do? What do you do? It's ice dafiomi, it's ice everything. Right? I mean, that's a that's a Achilles heel. So, so the Catholic Church, I don't know if they saw it that way. They did it for their reasons, but that was the effect of it. Now, okay. Having said that, what does it do with the davening of the liturgy with the tefillah? So I want to go over today, because today's the day to do it, and I'm hoping those who are interested, which is the only ones I can ever appeal to, those who are interested will um, take out your kinos and look it up there, over this weekend, at least. And that is this very interesting, and I'm not sure well understood, poem or kina from the Mom Rottenberg. So in other words, the Mayor Rottenberg, um, which is a parody, by the way, an ironic parody. It's most unusual. You don't find too often in our Hebrew liturgy, irony and parody. Irony you find once in a while. Parody very rarely. Right? But I'll tell you exactly what I mean. So I'm talking about Shali Srufabesh. Damar Rottenberg, Mayor Rottenberg, was about, in his 20s, he must have been a Kolel guy, in the most Chosheva Ashkenazi Yeshiva in his time, which surprisingly was in Paris. Isn't that funny? You don't associate Paris as a Mokom Torah, but as you know and I know, the Balitosas are associated with France heavily, a little in Germany, heavily in France. Uh, the Rabbeinu Tom and Rashi and all those people live where they live. After a while, by the time you get to Rebekah Paris, so believe it or not, the most important Chashem Yeshiva of the Ashkenazim in France happened to be in Paris. That's why Damar Rottenberg, who was a Yeki, a mayor of Rothenburg, which is in Germany, went to learn in Paris. It's, it's funny. I always say, if I ever able to pull, me and Ari Alba, I'm able to pull this trip off that we have in the back of our minds, now that Corona seems to be over, maybe next year or something like that, to go to Europe, I would have, like to do a trip that would cover the old Ashkenaz, starting from Frankfurt and ending up on Omaha Beach. You're right across northern France, these places where the, uh, where the Ashkenazi, the French, now those our ancestors' ancestors really hung out. And Paris, believe it or not, is one of those places which once upon a time uh, was a Malcolm Torah. So was Rouen, for example, and some other places. 
Anyway, whatever. So Lamaisa. So I take out now in order to do this right, I have to do the following. You don't see me, but I have in front of me two kinos. <clears throat> Just happen to have the Ashkenaz and the Sfarid. The Ashkenaz I had from years ago before I came in a Sfarid Shul. Now I have them both. And in the one hand, and you should do the same thing if you can. And if you want to understand uh, the poem, uh, right, which is part of the Kinos, no, it's part of the liturgy of the Marm Rottenberg, you have to understand the background. He is writing something 100 years or a little more after Yehuda Levi. Yehuda Levi died in 1140, 1141. The burning of the Torah is 1242, approximately. Yehuda Levi is the most famous poet. And certainly his religious poems, I don't know about his non-religious poems, but I know his religious poems circulated very quickly and became a classic. And one of them is You see evidently from what Ramon Rottenberg is doing over here that it certainly cir- circulated PDQ around Europe. Said Ashkenazim were familiar with the Hebrew poems of the religious ones of uh, Yehuda Levi. So again, Yehuda Levi lived in Spain, Sephardi, in Toledo, um, for all of his life. And he wrote all of his poems down there. Uh, the Frum poems, as I said, because he wrote Frum and not Frum. The Frum poems cir- circulate. And the famous poem about Zion obviously uh, hit everybody in the Pentelayid and w- became very widespread. So what is going on with the with, with the uh, poem of Judah Levi, which is going to be parodied 100 years later. Because in Yehuda Levi says, Sion, do, do you not give a drisha shalom? Do you not inquire after the, the welfare of your prisoners? Those who are always seeking your welfare. Yes, whatever is left over from the flock. Those we yidden, we call Yisrael, who are in uh, exile, and we don't want to be. So we're prisoners. But we're always, even though we're prisoners far away, we are always the ones who are doshi shlomech. We're always inquiring about we welfare. No, it's our davening and our she'ifas. Always to go back to Eretz Yisrael. Always go back to Eretz Yisrael. We're the yeser adarayach, or whatever's left over from the flock. Most of us have been killed, tortured, prisoners. He's a poem, you know? But we, now mind you, he wrote this in around the year 1100, approximately, roughly. That would be, what, a thousand years or so after the Korban, a little more. So, he's saying, we are doing it. You know that you get Shalom from north, south, east, and west, all over the place. In other words, we have not forgotten you, and we always ask, what, what's Tutsi Gadar Tisro? In our davening, Right? In our davening, says then they need a shulchan and all that. Okay, so it's a one-way ticket. The poet Yehuda Levi is complaining. How come we are always asking about you and you don't ask about us? And why don't you ask? Right? Will you not inquire about me? Asir tikva. I'm the prisoner of hope. Nice phrase. and that I'm always full of tears. Dreaming about coming to Eretz Yisrael and rolling in the dust and walking. So, in other words, Yudalevi, who never did get to Israel, 
despite the legends, right? But he dreamed about Israel, and because he never saw Israel, Tim's like Mary Poppins, you know? It's, it's a, uh, a fantasy. It's a beautiful, and I mean in the Ruchnia sense. Israel is saturated with the Ruchnias. Uh, wherever I would walk, you know, it'd be where Avram Avinu was, you know, Boy, would I love for my soul to uh, traverse the areas where once upon a time the, the divine spirit was poured out on your Nevi'im and so on and so forth. Okay? And then he goes on to say how come the Arabs are there or the, or the Christians whoever was his time. It was the Christians actually. How can it be that Goyim are sitting on your throne. But how, how, how is that? Notice everything's screwed up. We should be there, not them. And so on and so forth. Right? So on and so forth. And how can I taste food when I think about the, you know, if I was in Eretz Yisrael, the food would taste better because of the Ruchnia's quality. You get it? Look, the guy's a poet. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, uh, it's quite remarkable. Now, this was said half in sorrow, and have in longing and dreaming. Our poet today, Mam Rottenberg, it was about 25, when he wrote this, something like that, right? middle 20s, he's doing this a parody, because he's saying, Tzion, why do you not ask how we are doing? We always ask about, you're doing, how come it's a one-way street? We're always crying over you, why don't you cry over us? Here to Mam Rottenberg, seeing the Sefer Torah is burnt, or the Gemara's, to him it's the same thing. I don't think they burn Sefer Torah's, but they certainly burn Gemara's. Uh, so he's saying like this, Shali You see the par- parallel? Right? Hey, when he says, when Yehuda Levi says, why don't you ask how we're doing? So, so Mam Rottenberg said like this, to the burning Torah's, how come you don't ask how we are doing, who we are in Avelis, for the fact that you've just been burned? We want to dwell in in your courtyards and palaces. Now that's very Lomdish. Judah Levi is talking about a karka. I long to be in Chatzis meaning I long to be in Eretz row. As they say, saturated as it is with fantastic Kedush and all that. Our poet today is saying, I would like to be in Chatzot Zulayich in a yeshivish sense, which is, I'd like to be learning so that mentally I'd be in the world of Torah. You see? Where Avelim, so it's quite a remarkable poem. Shali through Feish L'Shlom Avalaych Hamis Avin, we have a Taiva Shchon B'Chatzot We want to dwell in the courtyard of your splendor, but I can't because I'm stuck. There's no book to read. They've all been burned. Here I am, you know, the yeshiva's going to fall apart, which of course it did. There is nothing to do. Think of, I mean, it's a horror scene. Think of the whole yeshiva now, of the Rishon, out of business. There's probably a few yeshivas that memorize whole, you know, shas or mesechta, things like that. How are you going to do it? Okay. Hashofim ba'afar arts, we're rolling in the ground. Now, he doesn't mean Eretz Yisrael. We're rolling in the ground, Right? And who are now in mourning and in shock over the uh, the burning of your uh, galilim. And our school, in my opinion, didn't translate correctly, but it doesn't matter. So you see what they're doing? It's it's a uh, it's a knockoff. Yudah Levi's writing 
See in Halil Sishala Shlomo Sarach, and the Maran Rottenberg talking about the Sefer Torah. Now, I use the Sefer Torah in the broad sense of Torah Shabbat Sav Torah Shabbat. That's what he means. If the Gemaras and everything are being destroyed, so in other words, it's not Sion being destroyed, but it is Sion being destroyed. Get what I'm saying? It's really cool. We now are walking around in Choshech. There's no Bekom Loriyam, and we're hoping for a day, the light of day. That one day will happen over here. Meaning, we, again, it's poetic. Yudah Levi talks about walking the darkness of Gullus. Maim Rottenberg is talking about walking the darkness Beli Taira. It's a very from poem. Walk in darkness because there's no learning. They can't be any learning because they destroyed all the books. I'm telling you, it's clear. And why don't you ask for me the, how I'm doing the the person who's crying uh, with a broken heart who's always been uh, you know, in, in mourning because of your suffering. So that's exactly what Yehuda Levi said. He said, why don't you ask about the Asir Tikva See how you <coughs> excuse me. See how you got to hold the two palms together, and then you get the full effect. Um, and I'm I'm giving a big hespid. What is a hespid? Big lolaich, which by the way is very cute, because the galilim are the 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 the, the parchment, and the glolaich means on, on your account. Now, what is the hespid mar that he's going to give over here? Again, following. Almost amazingly, you know, uh, uh, Yehuda Levi, who also says, you know, was there some weird reason that you've given Eretz Yisrael into the hand of all these Goyim and so forth? I can't believe it. Yeah? So our hero, the uh, Mom Rottenberg, is, here's his hesped. How can the Torah, which was given in fire, to Uchal Be'esh Basar? The Torah were told, you know, Eish Dos Lamo, <coughs> so something which itself is age can't be burned by by age. Now, by the way, it's a wonderful, very deep. Listen, he's a Ram Rottenberg, very deep concept, because he really, really is not talking about the Sefer Torahs. Like I say, I don't believe the Christians burned the Sefer Torahs. Catholic Church. He's talking about the Torah of Baal The Torah of is Baal therefore it fits very nicely the idea of fire. That should not be able to be consumed because it's not a gvilin. You understand? How come they weren't burned? You know, when they touched it. And then, just like you heard Alevi, on Adina. Now the Goyim are Adina because they have it nice. They're the ruling power. They were the Catholic Church, the King of France. They live in the lap of luxury. The Jews are the ones being persecuted. on Adina so this is a problem that bothers any thinking person, which is Tariq Varalova Rasha Tovlo. I would even go so far as to say the following. When you ask the question Tariq Varalova Rasha Tovlo, the really heart of the thing that burns is the Rasha Tovlo. If you said Tariq Varalova Rasha Varalova, that's bad enough. I mean, I get that. But what makes it 100% worse is the Tariq Varalova and the Rasha Tovlo, that's like really an inversion of the hierarchy. And so he says... Where is it over here? How come you have Rov Heshket? And my children, remember the Pirchei Kahuna, Pirchei Godes Yisrael, are covered with thorns. So basically, imagine 
you were in that yeshiva. I repeat, Maram Rottenberg was born around 1215, <clears throat> so at this time he'd be in his 20s, but he'd be like what we call today Elter Rebuchar, or probably a married guy, a Kolo guy by that time. But there are a lot of guys in the yeshiva at that time much younger, and now they're just, they're stoint, you know what I mean? In other words, all the books are gone. So the guy are having a grand old time and laughing, and the, and the kids, the prochim, are covered with nettles, meaning they don't know what to do. You momser, how, how, how come you can continue to sit, you guy, at the church really, Barov Gaiva, with all this arrogance. And you, have, you, you dare to bring us to trial. In other words, if you know the history a little bit, a little bit, the charges were made against the Talmud, which the church didn't even know existed. A trial was held of the Talmud. This is what is called incorrectly the Vikuach Abichil of Paris, the one of the classic Vikuachs, in which they basically said, does the Gemara have things against Jesus? And he says, a different Jesus. And they said, bull. You know? They didn't believe him. So, uh, it's a long, I said, I, I won't go into it now. It's famous, you know, the Queen of France, I guess, how many Jesus are there? And the Yichil uh, Paris, I guess, your son is Louis the Ninth. There are nine Louis. Got more than Jesus, but leave him. But knows what the heck is these Goyim bringing us to trial to apologize for our religion? You got a nerve. Uh, how long is that going to be? So it's bad enough, Rabbi Shalom, that you reduced us to this point that we have to go and defend our things in their in plea life in their courts. Oh, Tigs are Lister of And then the trial was that the Talmud was found guilty. This really happened. Like I said, you can look it up. The trial was held at the Talmud. Talmud was found guilty and condemned to be burned. Therefore, I hope one day these guys will be brought down. Happy to want to repays them. Suri Balabish. And then he turns to God, as Yehuda Levi does. And he says, Balabit Vesh, you came down in Harsina, Balabit in fire. In other words, was this a sick joke on your part, O Lord, that you came down in fire and gave the Torah in fire? Because you knew one day the Torah would be burned in fire? That's a sick joke. Notice, are you that cruel, O Lord? Sinai, and I'm talking to you Mount Sinai, the famous line, we all know Sinai was not the biggest mountain, it was the smallest mountain. So usually they say like this, as a sign of uh, Anova, right? You know, you've heard that before, right? Sign of Anova. The big mountains God didn't choose, he chose the lowest mountain. No no gaiva. Or, alternatively, he says, in a parody, ironic, bitter sort, were you chosen by God, Mos Begdolim, and rejected the high mountains, was the Torah given on Har Sinai, the lowest mountain, to show how low the Torah would be brought, that it would be burned at the stake? Was that your idea? If that's the case, that was a sick sense of humor thousands of years ago on Shavuos when the Torah was given on Har Sinai, that the lowest mountain there, because it was doomed to be treated as a low object. Emshel Moshalach is like a Moshal, Lamelch Asher Bachel Mishle Beno, Yigva. You know, there's a Medrash in the Devarim, I think. King had a party his, for his son, a wedding party. The son died. 
and you know, it's a, it's a whole mice there. So he says, is this the idea? It's like a king who cried at the beginning of the wedding because he knew his son would die. Cannot be lucky. Is that how you are, Hashem? You chose the lowest mountain in order because you foresaw that one day the Torah will be brought low and burned. Takas me'il, instead of wearing a me'il on Mount Sinai, tiskas basak. You should be wearing sackcloth. Tatelavush almanas. You should be wearing a lavush of an almona. Tachlib simosayach. Switch your clothes. Says Mount Sinai, how come today you aren't, you know, in a mourning state? And again, Yudha Levi talks in his poem about how he would cry and he would go to, to Marzamach Pela and where where the uh, Avos are are, are uh, buried and so forth. Where does he have it over here? Bemakon Arech HaShenigaz V'Kurovayach It's here somewhere. Haravon Har. Yeah, so anyway you can look through, you'll see it. So, here, he does the same thing. He says, I want to pour out tears, they should go like a river with complaint, and I want my tears to flow in a river to the Kivarim of Moshe and Aaron. Moshe and Aaron. Moshe and Aaron. This is really bitter. Torah Chadash, of course, is the New Testament. I don't know if you realize that. So the Catholic Church is burning the Sefer Torahs. So I'm, I have a complaint to Moshe and Aaron. Is, is it Taka true? <laughs> of course, it's, it's what you call a sarcastic question. He knows it's not true. But he's a poet. So he says, "Are you?" Uh, I would ask Moshe and Aaron, you're letting the Catholics burn the Torah. Torah Notice, has the Old Testament been supplanted by the New? And then, I have a whole business. You know, we all know that the Torah was given, the Ten Commandments were pronounced, on Shavuos, which is Chodesh Lishi. But they were screwed over from the word Kesher, you know, like a plot, in the fourth month. In other words, listen closely. We all know the story, that the Torah was, the Ten Commandments were pronounced on Shavuos, but the, t- the two tablets were actually given on Shabbat and Thomas. The only thing, of course, is that they made a golden calf and therefore the, the Luchos were broken. So what do you see? Sivan was fine. Thomas, the whole thing got destroyed. Well, guess what? Er- today, Parashas, Erev Parashas Chukas is in Thomas. Always. Like I said, the, the dates may vary, but it's always in Thomas. So is that like a foreshadowing of history? That in future Tammuzes, the Torah once the, the the tablets would be broken and those the Torah would be destroyed. Look at the powerful poet he is, right? Uh, the the fourth month, meaning Sivan. I'm sorry, Tammuz messed over all the beauty. God so that Moshe broke the tablets. And now we see just now. Then in addition to breaking the tablets, the Torah is being burned. Again, Rabbi is this some sick sense of kefo? In other words, you destroyed the luchas, and then the tefo, you burn, burn all the gemaras. Is that what's going on over here? I wonder how I'll ever like to eat again after seeing what I saw. That's exactly the Lushan 
of, of what do you call it, of Yehuda uh, Levi. He said, nothing tastes good anymore until I, until I get back to Tzion. You know, say as long as Tzion is in exile, how, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing will taste good anymore. That's exactly, what I mean. so you see he had in front of him, I'm just showing you again and again, right? Um, here's the language of Yehuda Levi. Eich yerav li ochel b'shos b'eis echza gives you a Columbus kariah. How can I taste food when I see the Arabs and the Christians walking all over Eretz Yisrael? How can the light of day, Yehuda Levi says, provide uh, be sweet to my eyes, notice, have the beauty of, 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 of sight and light when I see the, uh, you know, what do you call it, the, 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 bird, the buzzards eating pigrisach, the, the, the dead bodies of your Jews. That's a figurative. Notice, we see Klal Yisrael um, low and in, in, um, in exile. So that's exactly what our, what our hero is saying today. How can I read again when I've seen the Goyim, the Catholics, they gather together all your spoils, all the Gemaras, and they burn the middle of the city. What does that sound like? Where does it say in the Torah that you take all the stuff and you bury it and you burn it in the town square? The answer is Irnadachas. El Elyon. I mean, really? Again, like what's going on? So he sees in all these ironic uh, aspects the Yad Hashem, but in a sick way. You see, Asher Timus Those who are burning it are people we wouldn't even let be Bob Lo Ada Limso I can't. I don't have shot. <laughs> I can't find a Derek Salah. In other words, I am not, you know, a philosopher to figure this one out. I'd rather just, you know, drink the tears. I would just like to absorb the water of my tears. Okay? Oh boy, they would evaporate the tears as they rolled down my cheeks and so on and so forth. Right? Now, again, he obviously left the yeshiva when this happened. There's nothing to do. So as a result of this incident, which I'll tell you again, was devastatingly effective because if there are no books, there are no books. So I'm walking around like someone who has lost his children, lost his family. Nisharti Levad Mehem. His children and family here would be the farm. Right? Like a lone flagstaff on the top of a peak. I can't hear music anymore, and so on and so forth until the end. You know. Uh, so and he talks about how and so forth. So I'm simply reading you parts of the poem, most of it actually I just did with you. To bring out the part, although it'd be, be, I don't want to take too long, uh, to bring out the point, it's a very powerful poem. It doesn't really deserve to be at the end of the Kinos and Tishba, like I said before, when everybody's already Kinosed out. I know where it is, all the way at the end. You can't wait to get to Elitzioni to leave, you know. I get it. I would suggest, if you want to really get something out of this, especially today, or this weekend, today be the main one, to do what I just did. If you go online, if, if nothing else works, 
you can, I'm sure, there's no question in my mind, you could Google two of these most famous of all Jewish poems. These are two of the most famous of all Jewish poems. Sion Halosi Shalosh Shlomo Sarach from Yehuda Levi and Shali Srufa Beish Shlomo Velayah from Mount Rottenberg. These are two Rishonim. You don't need me to tell you about Yehuda Levi and Mount Rottenberg. Two Rishonim. And I'm just giving you a little bit of a poetry lesson. Read them side by side. And you'll see the style of the Maran Rottenberg, who is, of course, a major Rishon. And you see how he takes the Yehuda Levi idea, but he then modifies it very brilliantly and uses it for a different concept. Not Eretz Yisrael, which is a piece of Karka, but the Torah, which is not a piece of Karka. Right? It's Ochla Eish. It's, it's, it's ethereal. The Torah is not physical. And depending on your point of view, whether the physical or the other is, is more important, but taking the Plato view, so the Tzur is more important than the Chomer, even though to Yudah Levi, Eretz Yisrael is Chomer plus Tzur, but the Sefer Torah is certainly, the Gemara is certainly a Tzur, not Chomer, and see how they blend together. Anyway, uh, as always, I want to thank Mishpacha Stefanski, and uh, we'll see if anybody takes me up on this offer today, uh, because today is the time to do Shali Suvesh. Not really intentional. Look, I'm going to do it too, but I'm just saying I know what it is. It doesn't get, uh, what's the right word? Doesn't get the, the attention it deserves, in my opinion. With that, I bid you all a good Chavez. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support dot rabbi david katz dot com for sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast please visit our donate page at www dot support dot rabbi david katz dot com